Hello and welcome to the Mystic Cast, where you join me, Jack Stafford, a student of metaphysics, as I talk to a variety of guests to better understand the teachings given by the Masters through the Aetherius Society, the new cosmic religion for the Aquarian Age incorporating all yogas, Christian mysticism, theosophy, UFOs, and much, much more. Please note, this is an independent podcast, not produced or fact-checked by the Aetherius Society. Today, my guest is Nehemiah Davis from the Aetherius Society in Florida. This is an interview I recorded before and already released for Podsongs, my other podcast. Maybe you could just, maybe if you could start with the interview just by telling a bit about yourself, about how you, about your, how you grew up. That's quite put in context, maybe. Uh, I, I grew up in the uh, household uh, that practiced yoga. My parents were, were uh, practicing yogis. Uh, they were into metaphysics uh, on the philosophical Hindu and Buddhist uh, type metaphysics and Christianity. Uh, and they raised all the kids the same way. So we, we grew up with a vegetarian diet. We never ate meat. At least I didn't. Uh, as you know, they, they, uh, they raised us in a way to observe, uh, the presence of God at all times. We woke up, the first thing we did in the morning was wash our face and mouth and then pray. And no one left the house until they prayed. And uh, it, it's, it's strange because now I, I can't find the time, but they found the time when doing summers and weekends and holidays and, and on a weekly basis to make sure that we learn uh, certain things like yoga uh, or yoga breathing exercises, uh, meditative exercises. Uh, and make sure we practice. And, uh, they, they made it their life mission to, to guide us into these teachings. And really, I, I, that's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. I was raised in, in these teachings. And by the time I hit, uh, 17, 18 years old, I found myself teaching. <laughs> teaching, uh, at different centers. Uh, I just went there just to explore. And then people start asking me questions and I had the answers, which shocked me because <laughs> I didn't realize that most people did not know about this stuff. And, uh, that was in the late seventies and I've been teaching ever since. So you, so you grew up, was it on the Bahamas? Was it the islands? No, I grew up in South Florida. Oh, okay. My parents was from the islands, but, uh, they moved here, uh, well, they moved to the United States and, um, uh, my father, he was, he was actually, he grew up in the islands. He went to school in England. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. And once we, we, he graduated from there and he worked there for a while and he came over here on a contract. He came to the United States on a contract. Oh, so he was originally. And, yeah. Well, yeah. 
he was originally well, he was originally from Bahamas, but he but he went to school in England. And uh and then he ended up back in the United States um on a contract. On the English contract. And uh and I was in New Jersey, the New York area. And then he made his way when he decided to stay here, he made his way down through Georgia and eventually Florida. And uh so he was close to his uh to his family in the islands. And uh and then we came about. Mm-hmm. It's funny when people think about a Yogi family though, they wouldn't say, you know, they think you must have some connection with India. Well, I mean, um you'd be surprised. I mean, my my great one of my great uh my on my mother's side, her her great her great uh I think it was her grandfather. Her grandfather was from was from India. Her mother was uh her mother came from the Virgin Isles Islands. And her and her father was from India. Or he was he was East in India. I think he was he may have been born in the Virgin Isles, you know. But he was an East Indian. And then uh a lot of the a lot of the Eastern Indian that a lot of the teachings it's not exclu- exclusive to India. It's all this everywhere. And um, my my father's uh, grandfather was also a, he was a metaphysician himself, a very powerful metaphysician. So to that practice yoga had advanced to to, to a very high level. Although he didn't use his powers uh, the right way all the time, but so, so he was, he was grounded into these teachings from, from childhood. And your father was a very respected man in the, in the district. People used to come with him for questions yeah. or if they needed healing or prayer. People came down for healing. They came down for prayer all the time. I was a reviving boy. Yeah. You know, and he had his miracle healings, you know, and um, and he was very respected in in that circle of knowledge and and, and service. So how and he joined he joined the third society in the uh, in the sixties. He came across Dr. George King teachings in the sixties, and then he then then he made sure the whole family uh, adhered to to those teachings. So that's how we were raised in the teachings. He found the teachings like a year before I was born, I think. About a year or two before I was born. And so you had 12 blessings groups and you would go, and you would go and, um, as a group, as a family to people's houses. Yeah, every, uh, every week, uh, my, uh, Either my father, my older sister, or my mother, or, or, or and later on myself, we would run the prayer blessing service at the house. And um, from a child, I remember back as far back as three years old, uh, we would we would stand to the east and we would form a circle or or semi triangle, a, a semi circle, whatever. And we would pray and perform the prayer blessing practice practice 
on a weekly basis and sometimes two or three times a week. So that was, and then later on, as I grew older, uh, my brother, my brother would lead the services. Then I would lead the services, my older sister and sometimes my mother, other than my father. But the majority of times my father led the service. But we would give him a break and we would start leading the service. And we would have people over. And then uh, by the time I hit, uh, by the time I became in my, I think about 18 years old, I started leading the service outside of the house. I would go and hold services at different centers and people houses. And, uh, and we would do healing and, and, uh, we would go to healing circles all over the county, all over the Miami-Dade County. Yeah. And so all the time you were doing this, you were, you were also practicing mantra and pranayama. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I practiced pranayama and mantra on a regular basis. I, uh, I played on a regular basis. When I was young, I used to do it for two, three, four hours at a time every day. Um, I started, you know, I was had to be around 12 years old, 11 or 12 years old. And, and I would, I would do that on a regular basis for at least, for, for at least about seven, eight years. You know, I would, I would, uh, I was practicing yoga like that. You know, by the time I hit, by the time I got into college and got into the real world, I, I, I can only spare two hours a day. You know, sometimes I can go two or three hours, but not on, not on the, on the regular schedule I had. But, uh, yeah. And, and the more, the more I talk on the subject and more I practice on the subject, the more, the more I learn and more experiences I had. Uh, and I was able to, uh, my desire was to, to be able to, uh, expand on the teachings to give people a greater insight on it. Because a lot of people dismiss the teachings as though it was, it's not, you know, there's no, uh, substance to it. And, uh, but when you can show them the substance, then they take heed and want to follow or want to, to acknowledge and try to, uh, practice it. So how was it growing up as a, as a young child and you had, you, as you do these practices, you develop your psychic powers and you can think mm -hmm. they're obvious to you, which no one else can see or hear. How was that? It was different. It was, uh, I didn't know it was different at the time, to be honest with you, uh, because I was surrounded with my family my family very close. And I, we had extended family because my uncles and, uh, they practice, uh, this, uh, yoga too. The uncles that was close to us, the family that was close to us, they were all into metaphysics. So, uh, it was later on when I got into, uh, into middle school or junior high school that I realized that people was totally oblivious to, to this. And I always had the, the Dr. George King, uh, lecture tapes blowing in my ear, you know, and, and so 
from the child, you know, we would pass time just listening to his teachings. So we, we wasn't really aware until, until we began to really explore and go outside. And, uh, and that's when I was shocked that uh, a lot of people did not know and people couldn't see auras. <laughs> they couldn't feel energy. They, you know, they were totally, uh, oblivious to, to the, uh, psychic and emotional worlds, you know, and, uh, it was a shock. And, and, uh, so I had to adjust how I speak and what I talk and, you know, it was, it was different, but I mean, I was, uh, I witnessed many things, many psychic things and, and I, I knew, uh, it you know, was a psychic feast that people could do. My father, my relatives, my brother, I mean, I watched them do all type of things and, and, and I was able to exit my body, especially when I was a child, I was able to, to, uh, when I fell asleep, I would come right out of my body and I'd be conscious where I am, what I'm doing. And I was able to travel where I want to go. And so it was when I realized that in, in my siblings, I would meet my sisters sometime on the, on the other side. And that was a regular thing for us. So to find out that the world was not like that, it was a shock. It was, it was, a, it was a shock. So, so it was, it was culture shock too. So, and then to find out how, how the world was really, you know, cause, uh, I was, I was in the, my, my father, my father had, uh, uh, he had married interracial. And, uh, so, you know, islands, you know, you didn't really look at color. So I had, uh, my, I, my older sister was Spanish. I had a Spanish sister. I had an older white sister and brother too, uh, half white, half Spanish, you know? So, and then here I was at my, my, uh, guru master was Dr. George King, <laughs> you know, and we followed him. We believed it. Yeah. So, uh, it was a shock to find out that people had this, this racial thing about them, you know, as we went out into the world, as we left our little Bahamian town and go to go out into the world and start, uh, interacting with other people, it was, it was a shock, you know? So, but then of course the teachings themselves, you know, because we, we believe in Jesus, Buddha, uh, uh, Sri Krishna, uh, Leo say, <laughs> we believed in all these great saviors and masters and most people did not, you know, they followed Jesus, they followed Jesus and, and they followed the, the religious teachers that was, that was, that supported Jesus, but they totally wouldn't even listen to you about Buddha or about Confucius or Sankachara or, or Sri Krishna, you know, they wouldn't even listen to you about those So it was, uh, that was a, that was a disappointment. That was a disappointment. You said it did affect you. Like when you lose some of your 
your faith in your own abilities when you you're speaking to a teacher and and you he's saying you can't do these things but you can see his grandparents standing behind behind him and the, yeah i mean you 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 look at them like what's wrong with you you know because you can see their aura, you can see part of their past, you can see some of the relatives who might come in the room at the time. And, and, uh, but yeah, they are totally oblivious to those things. Totally oblivious to those things. So, you know, but I had to, I had to deal with that and just move on. And then, then I had to realize that you couldn't convince everybody. Everybody was where they were for a reason. And in time, people will, will learn, you know, experience and, and, uh, and grow a little bit more and, uh, and then come to a realization, you know, and then realize that they are much more than what they are. You know, they will realize that, that they, that their existence extend further than what they ever could, could imagine, you know? Wow. Still, still be hard to get used to it. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's hard to get used to it. It's amazing the 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 shell and the bubble that people put themselves in. It was just amazing, you know. They see this teeming life all around them. And, and the answers to that life is all around them and they totally ignore them, you know, uh, but yet the, the physical scientists will come and tell them that you cannot destroy energy. Energy cannot be destroyed. And that doesn't even, they don't even realize what, what the scientists just said, you know, what is the ultimate energy? The ultimate energy must be what consciousness. Because consciousness is the thing that drives energy. So if consciousness drives energy, then can consciousness be destroyed? You know, I mean, it's just common mathematics, you know, but people don't think about those things. You know, if energy can't, cannot be destroyed, then consciousness cannot be destroyed. If we just shift to a, to a different existence. Or we move to 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 gather our, our energy and matter in a different form, and we do that from one life to the next life to the next life to the next life, until we can control this energy consciously and and uh, and and be able to express ourselves consciously and be able to move and shift wherever we need to to be. In, in order to be uh, of service to the universe, you know, to the cosmos, because that's the ultimate goal. The most important things in life uh, that, that holds life together is the sun, the moon, the planets, and whether they do, they give of themselves 24-7. They, they give service to us 24-7. You know, unconditional, you know, uh, they just give of themselves. And as long as we continue to respect their service, then we can stay here. If we don't, then we have to leave. Simple as that, you know, so, but 
people don't see that. They just, they get caught up in the bubble. And uh, they don't even bother to think, ask what, you know, what the scientists will say. Well, you cannot store energy. And uh, they hear it and they dismiss it just that quick. So, and that was to me as a 14 year old boy, that was shocking to me to, to realize that that's what people do. You know? On the podcast, I've already interviewed, um, a few scientists and, um, and one scientist who was quite outspoken about how wrong science is these dogmas and there's these 10 dogmas, science, how it's misguided. So I was going to, I was thinking of trying to expand because I was thinking how to use this opportunity to speak to you because it's great, great privilege and to ask you. And I was thinking I could ask you about humanity's dogmas or, but then I was thinking I Googled mm. the, the most, uh, the biggest questions in life, according to the, the science magazines, they are. And, um, so maybe. Well, you know, you know, you never assign me to cut you off, but you know what science really is? It's the study of God's creation. Scientists only study the laws that make things what they are. So if you believe in, in an absolute power and that absolute power can only be everything there is and everything that could be which we call the absolute of God, then what is the scientist doing? The scientist is trying to discover how this happened. So they're trying to figure out the mathematics or, or, or the mechanics of behind how these things came, came together to manifest itself in the way it manifests itself. So of course they're going to, you know, they're going to get it wrong as they, as they move forward looking at all these things because why because they uh they only look at one realm at, at, at a time sometimes they look up and look at multiple realms of existence but on the physical realm there's another realm and there's another realm and, and there's all these realms that's hurling up the next realm you know you uh, uh when you see something physical do you ever think that that's just solidified sunlight? No one really thinks that, but that's what it really is because what energizes that thing? Even the, even the, the consciousness that holds the matter together has to pull on the energy of the sun and they have to pull on the reflective energy of the moon and they have to pull on the reflective energy of the earth. And that reflects the energy that makes up the earth. So, so when you study anything, you have to study it on multiple realms of existence, on multiple operations of energy, even the energy that we can't see or even can't conceive of. You know, so so that's you know when science science get it partly right. They're not completely wrong. If they did get it wrong, you and I wouldn't be communicating with each other. I'm in Miami and, and, and you're in, yeah. in Italy. Yeah. I mean, so, 
So don't be hard fast to put down science. Science is only the study of God's creation. They 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 are, they are searching for the secrets, you know. But they have to come to that realization that that's what they're doing, you know. Uh, some of them just want to know how things work. But what is that thing? All things can only be that one life, and that one life is the absolute. It's God. So, you know. Science. And the science and, and the, 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 the mystics understand that. The mystics understand. They say the science without God is the soulless wanderer of the night. Right. <laughs> okay, well, the first question I found is, um, where did we come from? People ask that, so. I mean, there's only one question for that. We came from the absolute. <laughs> we came from the absolute. You know, how do we evolve? That's another question. You know, uh, we have bits and pieces of that. We have bits and pieces of that. We have bits and pieces of that from my whole moment. And and what we're, we're, we're told is that when when the absolute decided to uh, bring about this manifestation called the universe. We understood that it happened in successions in a sense. Although everything came about at the same time, but you have to think that maybe the supreme laws of creation was there first, and then the supreme laws of creation release a sound to create uh, a lesser laws of creation, and then they released a sound to create other lesser laws of creation. And and then then uh, then the uh, the supreme laws of karma came about as a framework to make sure that everything in creation follows a, a, a procedure or law or, or 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 is governed by the intelligence uh, like a, a like a network of mind, which is what we understand what shit is. Now we're told that this that this sound, when this sound was released, it was, there was the sound was actually uh, shati, which they call in the ancient books they call it the initial sound was vak, and in that vak was nata, and nata carried the shati powder because everything is shati, carried it out into the universe, and then everything is formed from the sh from from the shati but it follows the laws of common, which is a framework of, of, of intelligence, of intelligent movement. And within all of that, you had um, the third principles of Shakti. And we know that the first principle was, was Nani, which is wisdom, which is intelligent, which controls all, all uh, intelligence. The next one was, was Chitta, which is mind, universal mind, which, which is like the network that everything works on. And, and, and then you had Prana, uh, which is this, this, uh, this all power, you know, it's, it's all power. 
And then from that came uh, Amanda, which we understand to be uh, the, a blissful state that preserves all things, all energy. It preserves mind, it preserves prana, it preserves the intelligence of, 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 the, uh, of, of everything. So it is the preservative energy. Dr. King called it love energy. And, um, and this energy, and, 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 and these are the four principles of Shakti. And this is the thing that the universe is built on. It's, this is like the, uh, those four principles is, is the background of everything. And from that comes the Mahabhutas, uh, which is the five, the five cosmic etheric elements that, that, uh, that forms matter of any grade, whether it's etheric matter or astral matter or, or, or gross physical matter. And, and all of that is used to build the galaxies the solar systems, the sun, the planets, the moons, and then life itself. I mean, the, the teeming microscopic life, like humans, <laughs> like uh, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the mineral kingdom, you know. Uh, and it's just a combination, it's just a combination or formal of those energies. And really, the scientists have said the same thing. They came to the same conclusion. They just don't like to introduce God about they it. They have one free miracle. Yeah. So, I mean, when they describe the electronic magnetic spectrum that's, that flows from the sun, they, they describe the atoms breaking into that electronic magnetic spectrum, and from that comes the different colors and the di different texture uh, of matter, you know, so that's how you have uh, electronic, uh, 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 electronic configuration of anything because how it breaks into the, the energy, the central energy flowing from the sun, you know, so, so they, you know, they come to the same conclusion. They, I'm sure they read the same ancient books that we read, but they want to describe it in a different way, you know, but it's, it's all, it's all theirs. It all makes sense. So, I mean, ultimately that's where we came from. Um, ultimately that's where we came from. So people also ask, um, is there life after death? Well, like I said earlier, life, to my understanding, you know, you cannot destroy energy. You cannot destroy energy. Uh, you cannot, you cannot destroy, uh, you can't, hold on for a minute. You cannot destroy, um, uh, consciousness because consciousness is a thing that holds energy together. You know, so, um, so yeah, so, I mean, there, there must be life after death. There is life after death. We live, 
we live in multiple realms of existence as we speak here. You know, there's a, uh, there's an astral counterpart of yourself. Uh, there's a, there's an energy body with, within you and within the astral body. There's a, there's an etheric part of yourself. Uh, there's a higher, uh, conscious part of yourself. There's a, there's a soul part of yourself, which is even higher than consciousness, which is the, which is the, uh, the manufacturer of consciousness. You know, and then there's the real you, which is the I am, which, which, which even created the soul because the soul is nothing but the body for the spirit and the spirit is the real I am and the soul is the I. And then the soul have many, many different self-expressions in order to gain experience through many cycles of, uh, of, uh, of creation. Of, of, of within this manifested creation, I would say. So, so as uh, in a, as the ancient books say, the uh, the absolute or God uh, uh, exhale and then inhale back, meaning that the soul is used to make that journey to gain the experience in the manifested world that the absolute created called the universe and then the soul makes that journey in the universe and then makes and then come back it the soul creates uh develops the involution it evolves itself and then it evolves itself back to the source and that source being the spirit and god so i mean that's the journey that we're on and during that journey we live on the physical plane for a while. Then we live on the astral plane or the theory plane for a while. Then we come back to the physical plane. Then we go back to the astral plane until we get on this earth, at least talking about this earth, until we get to the point where we could control the sacred energy within the body called Kundalini. When we can, when we can control the, the rise and fall of the Kundalini completely, then we break the will of rebirth, what the, what the yogis call the uh, samsara, which is uh, the will, the, the the will of rebirth, the thing that keeps that energy or or or, or mind belt that keeps us uh, moving from one body to the next. Uh, in order to gain experience and keep they keep us in this cycle of reincarnation. But when you can control that energy and bring that energy up, Shushana, the middle of the spine, and with at in in its full and its full power, and bring it back down repeatedly, then you can move the energy into into the crown chakra and you can break will the will of rebirth and you won't have to be reborn and you can you can choose uh your your incarnations in other words you can build a body a risen body that can last for ten thousand years or one hundred thousand years or one million years so it's, it, it becomes up to you at that point and how much energy you can muscle 
to build your body so that you can gain experience on the higher realms. And that's the ancient teachings. So, uh, you know, of course, over the years, mankind tried to hide this from the, from the population so that, uh, so that they can gain more control over you, I think. Because if someone understand that they got to keep coming here and that there's something called karma, then they would, they would, uh, predetermine their actions a little bit more. A better world. You know, they would, yeah, because they know that everything they do will come back to them, you know. But all the religions teach that now. So. The do the religions do teach that, that love thy brother. Yeah. 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 It only makes sense because now you can, you can prove that energy cannot be destroyed. <laughs> you know, you could have proved it many years ago too, but it's obvious now. And it's obvious that, that there's different frequency of matter and energy all around us, you know. It's very, very obvious. Dark matter or dark energy. What'd you say? Um, but what, what is life on like on the astral realms? I think, uh, uh, from my experience, uh, life is very similar to here. The, the only difference is, is to, is. The main difference is the energy, the matter or the energy. Um, you have, you have access to, to a great amount of energy and mind substance, but, uh, the limitations you have here, you have there as far as personality. It's, uh, the difference is that you can move almost anywhere you want to on that perspective where uh, if, if uh, you're not interfering with someone else, you know, so, so it's very, very different. I mean, it's, 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 it's very, very similar and very, very different at the same time in the sense that the house structure is the same. The terrains are similar. Uh, a lot of our ideals spring from, from the asteroids. A lot of our technology spring from the asteroids. Someone there had it first. Now we, uh, we come to the conclusion because they, they push it into the mind belt and eventually someone's going to pick it up. It's the same way, uh, we notice when we study history that uh, the, the telephone was created on two different continents, or two or three different continents at the same time uh, uh, without those people speaking to each other. They didn't have a Because time. why? That technology hit the mind, though. You know, uh, scientists, uh, biologists, the scientists did uh, 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 different uh type of experiments with animals where they introduce a certain behavior to a group of animals. And then they noticed that that behavior started happening all over the world. 
you know, uh, without them introducing it to the, to the animals on the other side of the world. But those animals work on that particular mind belt. So if one do it, then they, 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 they create a way for others to do it as well. So it's the same way with humans. You know, once it's on the mind belt, we should be able to pick it up. You know, so if they if if, if they on the astral realms create a particular uh, uh, machine or or technology, eventually we will have that here on this physical plane because it's on the mind belt. And the astrals are so they have they they have their highways, they have their their buildings, they have their uh, their schools. Uh, the things they don't have is graveyards. There's no graveyards there. Although people die off the astral rims and their theory rims, but they take everything with them. They dematerialize and rematerialize on a different realm of existence. You know, as though, as though and we can see that happen here when we take water and we heat that water up, the water moves to a different plane of existence. It, it moves into a vapor state. We can't see that vapor state, but we know that vapor state is there. You know, uh, the water, you can have liquid water, then you freeze it, and the water, uh, it, it, it contracts, and it takes up less space in a frozen state than what it would do in a liquid state or even a vapor state. So, so we know that that type of science and technology or, un, or understanding exists. On the astral planes, they vibrate to a different plane of existence, either a lower plane or a higher plane, when they die from that plane. But the, it's still right here in this exact physical location, but it's just a different octave of manifestation. Yeah. Take it up the same space where, yeah, at different levels though, from what we understand. And, you, and you'll notice that if you ever start astral projecting, you'll notice that if you go to the lower rims, you seem to go down. If you go to the higher rims, you seem to float up. But it's still taking up the same space. So. What is the meaning of life? Greg, you froze. So what is the meaning of life? I don't really know the meaning of life. <laughs> I can't say that I know the meaning of life. You know, I know bits and pieces of it. I, I can't say I know the real meaning of life. So I can't say that. I know that we need to. Oh. I think we were, somebody doesn't want us to know the meaning of life. Yeah. No, no. I know we need to be of service to each other. I know that's one of the key themes in life that we need to, to, uh, to give of ourselves more to each other. And to recognize that every living being 
is a divine sparkle God. And I think we'll be a better people if we, if we begin to, to do that. You know, people, people tend to, people tend to dismiss you for the least little thing, you know, and, uh, and people tend to second guess you because of, uh, because, because of who you are, where you are and what they think you are, you know, and immediately. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, and I, and I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black African-American man living in the southern part of the United States. And, uh, and even in my profession, people come to me and they see what I do or hear what I do. And they immediately think different that, oh, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not that advanced in his, even though I've been doing, I do a poem for 30 years. And uh, then when they see my product, they totally change and try to get more involved and, you know, and, and try to come up under me and stay under me to try to learn. But, but on, a, on a first meeting, they will dismiss me. They will tell me this just because of who, I, of who I am, who they think I am, and the color of my skin, you know. You know, so, uh, you know, but people don't see people as who they are, you know, and, and this is most of them have that blind spot, you know, and then you have some people that, that sees, but it's, it's rare. It's it's rare. I, you know, I was fortunate to meet people that immediately recognize who you are at times too, but majority of people don't. Majority people don't. So you, 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 that's a, that's a weakness that humanity has. It's a real weakness, you know, and there's, like I say, everyone is a divine spark of God, you know, and we can only see that, you know, it's like the teachings that Jesus gave to the world. Some people get it and some people don't. And, uh, you know, a lot of, even a lot of the metaphysicians who think they know more than the Orthodox Christian people, but even they like it, you know, uh, I, I, uh, I was brought to tears when, when, uh, when the, the young man walked into the, uh, South Carolina church had service with them. I don't know if you heard about that. Had a couple of years back, had service with them. And then after he finished uh, singing and praying with them, he pulled out a gun and killed nine of them. And, and the, uh, the church, <laughs> the church members, uh, the ones that survived and everything, they, uh, they, they tried to put the church back, clean up everything. Uh, uh, the police, the, the police caught the young man. It was a young white man and, um, he had the wrong, uh, ideology, you know, and, uh, but what the members of that church who was in that room who survived, they put on their best clothes and went down to the court and they told the judge that they forgive him 
and that they did not want to see him executed. You know, that's Christian love. That's real Christian love. And so, so we miss that. Because <laughs> a lot of us don't get that. You know, the same thing uh, in the, uh, when the, I think it was 26 or 29 kids, uh, some guy went up into uh, a church in, in, uh, in the north end of the United States and killed 29. It was during the Obama administration. 29 uh, kids. And uh, that church, same thing. They they went to the court and told, told the judge they don't believe in uh, capital punishment <laughs> and that they didn't want to see uh, that person executed, you know, uh, you know, they, you know, lock him up, but don't, we don't execute him. We don't believe in, we don't believe, you know, they didn't believe that man had the right to kill another man. They, they stood by their principles. They, they stood by their religious principles. So, you know, that's, that's a part of, uh, you know, that's a part of that humility and that love energy that we talk about. That's a part of true teachings of Christianity to love each other and to recognize everybody's on a journey and that, uh, we shouldn't judge anyone. You know, we shouldn't love everyone and we should respect where they are. We don't have to agree with them. <laughs> we don't have to agree with them that we should recognize where we are, that, that unless we're given the, the common authority to do a particular job that forces us to do, to, to move them from one place to the next, it's not our job. Only thing we can do is give service, teach, and hope that they come to a realization of themselves. You know? For the next question, people ask, many people ask, is there a God? I think you already answered that one. Yeah. But it's the absolute, is the I am within man, is everything, is everything in manifestation, everything not in manifestation, and the law of karma as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know how anyone can think there's not a God. <laughs> Well, they think there is a God, but they have the wrong idea that it's a, it's a big man with a beard who answers their prayers. Or... Yeah, that it might be a human being. <laughs> I mean, like I said, we are the divine spark of God, but how can one of us be God itself? I mean, God is larger than anything that we can ever imagine. And then greater than that. So, yes, Jesus never said he was the one and only I, Son of God. So, no, he never said that. Even the greatest scholars said that that's that can't be his. That's not a statement he would have made. And he all in in most texts he referred to himself as the Son of Man. So, 
go back and look at the, the at least some of the uh, the the scriptures that they preserve. You know, majority of times he referred to himself as the son of man. It's been edited in a lot of the Bible. Yeah. Another question people ask is, do I have free will? I think everybody on this physical plane has free will. On the physical asset planes, they have free, free will. Um, that's, that's, that's something that we were told that got us in this mess with <laughs> that we chose in the, in the beginning, those people living in the state, in this physical state of reincarnation and uh, the way we do, we chose free will instead of freedom. Freedom is, is being able to uh, abide by the laws of nature, the laws of God. You know, the laws of nature is a part of the laws of God, the laws of the universe, the things that make, that keep things balanced and give you total access to the power of the universe. And that's freedom. Free will locks you out from, from, uh, and limit the power you can use from the universe. And, and it limits your, your access by limiting your consciousness, by creating layers and layers and layers of consciousness that you have to work by that limit your access to the subtle energy that moves uh, the solar system or the planets. Once you break those layers of consciousness out, then you have the power to move a planet or to move a solar system, but you don't because you follow the law. You know, and that's the difference between uh, an uh, ordinary man like us, you know, ordinary people like us, or then Jesus, you know, who, who, who have, who's really, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, 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 less of, uh, of, of, of creations compared to us, you know, uh, because of the power, they, the power that person like Jesus or even Buddha or even the literary Sri Krishna, you know, uh, who was one of the greatest masters that ever came here, other than the Lord Babaji. So uh, they, they, uh, you know, they're, they're gods to us, you know, because they have this great freedom to, to, to uh, mold and shape uh, energy and create worlds if they had to, you know. So, you know, that's the difference. So our free will limit us to this limited state of consciousness that we're in. And we chose freedom, then we remove into those realms where we have access, but we remove them. We remove there as, as the avatars live. You can only be an avatar, a devotee, if you follow the strict laws of karma, which helps, which makes you a server of mankind, which makes you 
uh, one who is willing to serve and give of yourself to all life, even the microscopic life here on earth. And, and, and that's the big difference. Yeah. To free will means you can sin, go against these laws, do whatever you like. Do you not? Well, you, yeah, in a sense, in a sense, but you have to understand when you, when you, when you go against the law, you only enforce the law. You have to understand that. Force the pressure, so, the karmic pressure against yourself. Yes. Yes. So, so, and, and that's, and that's, that's evidence in our, in our, in, in our world. If I had a ball now and I took that ball and I threw that ball, uh, uh, in this room, this room is only about 12, the walls is about 12 feet away from me. So I shouldn't be doing a ball in the room. What the ball is going to do is going to bounce down. So and that's how karma is. <laughs> so now if I was outside, that's the place I should throw the ball because I have freedom. For the ball to go the distance that it needs to go, and I have to win to help carry the ball. So that's that's uh, you, you we're, we're, I'm abiding, I'm 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 abiding by the laws. I'm, I'm working with the laws there at that time in this restricted room where there's no flow of real air, there's no room to throw the ball. I'm restricted, so therefore I shouldn't do those type of activities. But when I go out into the field, into an open field, then, then I can do that type of activity. So even when you go against the law, the law comes back and create a pressure towards you, create, create a series of actions that make you not do that anymore. You know, if you go up to a, 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 a wrestler or, 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 or a boxer and you slap them in the face, you know, <laughs> the law is going to do what to you? They're going to have that person, especially if they're a wrestler and boxer, they're arrested. So they got to go back to you rightly. So, so, you know, knowing the law, you don't do that. You greet them in the manner in which they need to be greeted. You know, so, but, so, you know, so even though you call yourself going against the law, only thing you're doing is enacting the law against yourself to make you follow the law. So you can never really go against the law. That's what I want to say. You know, people think that they're going, that they standing and going against the law. They're only building up this pressure to come back at them. And they, and they, they, uh, the yogis and the Hindus call it, they call this, they call this, um, they call it samskaras. You build these mental scars up within your 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 uh, your aura, which become megabytes of negative energy to push you in the right direction. You know, to to feed you. You know, uh, uh, for a later date to make sure that you experience what you need to experience so that you don't do that. 
and, and that's the big difference. I could write that. That song's already been written, though. You can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, God's going to cut you. That's right. Well, and then it's just the law. Because like, like I told you before, if you study mathematics, mathematics is what? It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a book or laws of karma. One plus one equals two. See? And a negative number times a negative number equals a positive number. So what is that saying? That's telling you that if you go out there and you keep doing negative things, then eventually something positive is going to happen. Someone's going to whip you behind and throw you in jail so that you can reflect on what you've been doing so that, so that you can correct your actions. So that later on, what you're going to do, you're going to come out and you're going to know that I shouldn't go and steal. I shouldn't hit anyone. I shouldn't take anything from anyone that is, that, that, that is not mine. I should only deal with what's mine. And I should help people as much as I can. Because why? Because they had time to reflect. You know, they had time to, 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 to go into their mental self because they can't really express their physical self because they locked in, a, in an eight by nine cell, you know. And, uh, and they have a different perspective when they come out, you know. So if they end up with a broken leg, from doing something stupid, you know, that leg is all that, that pain and that leg is always a reminder to them that I shouldn't have did that and I need to do better. So negative, negative multiplied over and over and over always create positive and that's the line common. So you build that pressure up that's going to come back and hit you to do what? As Dr. King, as Dr. George King said, it's a pressure towards conformity to get you to conform to do the right thing. So, you know, that's, that's the big difference. Some of the, some of the best priests are, are uh, ex-criminals or have been done time had had hard experiences. Yeah, they, they are, they are. There are some of some of the best. Uh, I know some of the best Orthodox preachers I I ran across. They 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 were ex they were ex cons. Even they lived the life of crime. They probably never went to jail, but they lived a life of crime that that brought tragedy into their life, which changed them. Was brought about a complete change over them and made them realize that they need to give the rest of their life to service. You know, and, and a lot of them, a lot of these criminals are very intelligent. They're, they're very intelligent people. Wow. When, so, when some people talk about free will though, I think they mean it in the, they misunderstand that it's, uh, can I predetermine all my, can I predetermine my thoughts and actions or am I, um, is my life predetermined? Yeah, but. I take the definition of free will from, from, uh, his eminence, Dr. George King, which makes more sense, you know, 
uh, another thing Dr. George King tell us, he said, enlightenment is uh, predetermining all your actions. That's real enlightenment. And that really makes sense. You know, uh, I'm a student of science. So when I look at a clock, a perpetual uh, clock, you wind it up and it keeps going or you put a battery in it and it keeps time. The person who, who uh, came across that knowledge, discovered that knowledge, they knew how to predetermine the actions of all of that, of that machine so that 24 hours of the day, it keeps time and 365 days out of the year. So when you look at a car, it's the same thing. It's predetermined action. You know, you stick a key in the car, in the, in the ignition, the ignition fires down in, uh, in the old cars, at least if, if, if they, that electronic ignition, it hits a relay system, that relay system hits a cylinder, the cylinder hits the start of the cars. The, uh, the, the flywheel, the flywheel turns to crankshaft, and now uh, it gives a spark to the engine, and now the engine is running, you know? The piston is running and it's building up that combustion and allowing you to move forward, and, you know, and to drive it as long as you have the right uh, uh, expansion uh, uh, system, to uh, the wheel system to allow you to go where you want to go. All of that is predetermined. It's predetermined. So in our lives, what Dr. George King was telling us that that's knowledge, that's wisdom. And when you predetermine your life, then you can move your life in any direction you want to go. So, so that's enlightenment. And that's a greater freedom than just free will doing stuff without any type of trial, any type of test trial, any type of uh, exploration, any type of putting knowledge behind something, you know? Uh, so, because most people, they're, they're, when they describe free will, there was no pre-planning. They just had the will, I, I have a desire, I want to do that, so I'm going to do it, regardless of what the reaction is going to be. So that's why I kind of moved away from that type of understanding of free will. You know, because freedom is predetermining your action. And freedom is enlightenment. Free will is, the free will that most men talk about is responding to their emotional needs and not necessarily to, uh, to what their real needs and real uh, goals are. Because in order to reach a goal, you need to create objectives and you need to create a series of actions to meet each one of those objectives. And then you will meet your goals. So, so and that's, and that's predetermining your answer, which is a, which is a big difference, I think. So um, the next question many people ask the biggest question in life is, are we alone in the universe? 
I mean, I don't think, I don't know how anybody can think that we're alone. You look up into the sky, it's, and it's teeming with, with, with light. And, and scientists tell us that light is, it's, it's solidified what? I mean, uh, 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 matter. I mean, matter is solidified light. So if it's teeming with light, then, then, uh, and, and we look at all the light we have here from the light we get from our sun then there must be a lot of life out there. You know, so I, to me, that's, it's almost insane for someone that even asks that. My opinion, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. Science without thinking, though. I'm not thinking. I mean, where there's life, there's life. You know? And when we look up into the sky, there's a lot of light. So it must be a lot of life. You know, and now scientists can, uh, they can look into the different uh, uh, spectrums of the electronic magnetic spectrum, and they realize that there's organisms there that we didn't know about uh, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. When they tell the different, uh, when they enter into the uh, maybe infra-blue or infra-green or whatever, you know, a part of that spectrum, you know, they realizing that there's life forms that's invisible to our physical eyes, which the mystics have said that for thousands of years, you know? So, uh, what about, what about the solar system? What about the galaxy? What about the, uh, the universe? What are we not seeing, you know? Or it's, it's, uh, I mean, we need to think about what we see and what we look at and what our limitations are. We have such great limitations, you know, when we need to think about the discoveries around us, you know, that science has made and, uh, and look at them from a metaphysical point of view, because it is metaphysical. You know, the science didn't make them, they discovered them. People question, question be blessed is what is consciousness? Consciousness is a vehicle of, uh, of, of perception. That's what it is. You have different layers of consciousness and you have a uh, different existence of consciousness. In the, uh, between the, we believe that each major chakra is, is, is levels, is levels of consciousness. And between, and we, and we believe that most of the population of this world exists within the base chakra consciousness and the sex chakra consciousness. And between those two uh, uh, layers of consciousness, you have, the yogis tell us that that's 
that 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 that's equivalent to 118 realms of existence that we live on and we need to conquer. And until we conquer that, we will not enter into the realms of adepture. Are those the astral realms? That's the physical and the astral realms. Right. Because if you think about it, the way they describe this in order to educate us is the the base of the spine is surrounded with a lot of hard substance, right? Which is the hip bone and and uh, the spine, and it's, it's a lot of bony structure. So that represents the physical plane of existence. And because it because the sex and and the and the, and the uh, and the base of the spine is so close together. It also represents the the uh, the self-conscious astral and mental worlds. In fact, this, the ancient science tell us that man's consciousness resides at the sex chakra level. His consciousness started at the base. His self-conscious started at the base chakra level. So here we are. In this emotional, uh, uh, astral, and physical, mental state of existence, <laughs> and these two chakras, and we move back and forth between one hundred and eighteen realms of existence, and that's our flux, and we're stuck there until we begin to control our physical desires our emotional desires, our mental desires that that attach us to our physical and emotional desires and focus our concentration and consciousness and move our consciousness up to the soul plexus and heart chakra. But in order to do that fully, we must conquer those 118 realms of existence. And in the in in the in the in the tantra sutra and mantra sutra teachings, they tell us that each one of those realms is represented by what's called a tava ray, or I call it a tavic ray, that that comes from the sun, from the solar lords, from the lord from the lords of vision. It runs these 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 uh, solidified light that comes from the sun creates those eighteen those one hundred and eighteen rings of existence to allow us to gain experience necessary in order to move on into uh, the rings of a ship. So there's a lot that we have to do before we even raise our head properly, you know? You said the highest chakra in animals is our lowest chakra, is that right? Yeah, the crown chakra for the animals is, is our base of the spine. The animal is seeking to become self-conscious, you know? And uh, what's his name? Who talks about that more? I think 
Sivananda, former Sivananda, uh, speaks on that a little bit. And, uh, and also uh, the seventh power. Uh, so Arthur Avalon speaks about it a little too. But that's, uh, uh, that's where the, the animal kingdom uh, leaves their realm of consciousness and enter our realm of consciousness. When once they, you know, that's their ultimate goal to, to achieve self-consciousness because they are not self-conscious. You know, that's why, that's why a dog or animal or domestic animal, they use you, they lean on you to get, to get what they need, what their body desires, you know, and, uh, and they can only express their emotions through your emotion. If you get excited, they get excited. You know, if, if, if they see you eat, then they watch you eat because they know that they should eat. So, you know, if, if they, if you feel fear, they feel fear, <laughs> you know, they, they feed off of your aura or for your, and, and they lean on the deeper kingdom for their higher consciousness in that state of, uh, of existence. And that's why they say nature takes care of the animals, you know? That was, um, something I wanted to ask you about, not, it wasn't really one of the biggest questions, but about the Divic kingdom, do fairies exist like that? Nature spirits. Yeah. I mean, a place that exists, uh, the only reason why we can see light, color, water, uh, uh, we can have the fertility of the, of the dirt is because of the diva kingdom. You know, uh, they are these things and they are the consciousness of these things. So, so, so they exist to make sure that the laws of karma is carried out. They are the learning servants of karma, of, of their God. So, uh, they exist only for those things and they chose freedom while we chose free will. They exist on in a, in a, in a vibrational state, not a state of, uh, of realms. In other words, in, in, in other words, they, they, they live between the realms. So if you see water, you see a diva. If you see mist in the air, you see a diva. If you, if you hear sound in the air, you hear a diva. So, so within your body right now, there's 360 demons at work to allow you to have your existence. That's what the yogis tell us. So, so the demon kingdom is alive. The blood rushing through your, 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 your veins is the work of the demons. The oxygen that's moving through your, your airways is, is the work of the demons. The demons are all around us. They live on a vibrational plane of existence. 
So any man denying them, he is denying himself. Because they have created the vehicle of expression for the soul to allow you to express yourself on any plane of existence you choose to. It's the divas. You know, the 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 Kundalini itself is a great diva. The Kundalini within your body is the in fact they describe it as a goddess. It's a diva. And it's the essence, it's the power that the divas use within your body to 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 keep your body together and to allow you to retain consciousness. Kundalini is a vehicle of consciousness. It's a vehicle that you use to express yourself. You know, you cannot see, smell, touch, or taste without the power of Kundalini. And without the diva working within those uh, senses and sense organs, so, so the demons exist. They exist all around you. Is Kundalini consciousness conscious apart on it in it itself? Each everyone's individual Kundalini. Is that everyone's Kundalini? Everyone has Kundalini within their body. Everyone has a different level of Kundalini in operation. Whether it's one percent or two percent of that kundalini, most of the kundalini in most people, most ordinary people bodies is is asleep or dormant. Uh, the our job is to wake that kundalini up. In fact, our only purpose of being here on Earth is to tame and control this power of kundalini up and down our spine. Once we do that, we can we, we can exit the earth. We can exit this realm of existence at least, at least this this rebirth. So that's our that's that's uh, that's our only reason for being here on this gross physical plane of existence. That's our only reason. So so the Kundalini is uh, is not our Kundalini. We're told is. Uh, which probably is true for for every planet, or at least we're told that that our Kundalini is comes from the logos of this earth. Since we are the residents of this earth, our soul used the Shati power from this earth, coupled with the Shati power from the universe as well, but they had to get permission from this earth. And shaped and mold that that Shanti power into Kundalini as a vehicle of consciousness that it will work through. So that's what links us to this earth. In the proper order of of uh, birth, or or incarnation, or reincarnation, or any planet, you must enter through the levels of that planet in order to properly utilize. The resources of that planet, how of that planet, by us being born through the womb of a woman is a negative effect. And we have to break that will of rebirth 
by gaining control over the power coming in. In spite of our limitation, we've, we now. That's part of the world. Yeah. And also time is like a, is a limitation because we now experience time in this same time frame. It's also one of our limitations. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of our limitations because of our, that's a comic pressure. Time is a comic pressure for us. It may not be a comic pressure for bees that's above uh, our level of consciousness, but for us, time is a, is, is a, uh, is a comic pressure. Towards conformity. We have a limited time in every cycle of existence in order to, in order to uh, do whatever we need to do. And we created that limited uh, time frame. And we, we mostly did that as a collective consciousness. And, uh, do the divas have uh, the same time limitation or do they have a much longer lifespan? I'm sure they have a much longer long time. But do they experience time in the same way that we do? What do you mean by that? Or do they suffer in the same way we, we suffer with time, you know, as, as, as this feeling. So the divas work strictly according to, to the law of karma. In, in other words, as you can think about it, let's say a baby was born and that baby had a, had a particular or common consideration about itself that only allowed that baby to live for eight hours. Then by comic law, the divas must follow that law. If that energy configuration can only stay in existence for eight hours, then the divas would make sure that it only stay in existence for eight hours to allow that life form that's coming through that baby to experience eight hours of life. So that's the job of the divas. Now, if the life form of that baby say that it needs to live 71 years or 87 years, then the divas will, will work to make that happen. Okay, it will it will make sure that enough energy is generated to allow that life form to experience that cycle. Now, of course, the person with it, the person that's moving that that vehicle consciousness, they may alter that by their own uh, good and bad deeds. You know that the demons are there to to help them experience, to help them move through, and to bring about the necessary pressure. For that life form to to learn its lessons, so so the demons were always following the law. I mean, whatever energy you give the demons to work with, that's what the demons are going to do. They're going to work with that energy. So so that's I mean that's it. It's not it's not a great mystery on general level. It's a great mystery on a detail level. <laughs> How does the I'm clear about how we accumulate karma as negative sanskaras in our aura, but how do the, how the karma comes into fruition is a bit confusing for me. What do you mean by that? Well, say you, because maybe a hundred lives ago, I 
I did a, a bad thing and then the, or a good thing. And then the good karma or the bad karma comes into fruition at this time. How is that? How is that seen? How, well, how is it's, that? The, it's the combination of things, I would think. I mean, that you don't have to go back a hundred years. You can go back a few seconds or a few minutes or a few days. What did you do then that allow you to do what you're doing now? So you don't have to really go back hundreds of years or what, you know, karma is always evolving. Let's say you, you, you killed someone three lifetimes ago, but in the space of that three lifetimes ago, you did a lot of good. So the action of killing that person may have been held up because of all the good that you did. But as soon as later, you have to pay for that. I have to experience it. I have to experience what it's you like. Have to, to you have to pay for that some type of way. As a lesson. So, so, so three lifetimes later, even though you bred up a lot of that negative karma that you killed, maybe you didn't bring it up enough. So now something has to happen to you to have you acknowledge that killing. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be a killing of you. It could be you witnessing someone die or multiple people die. That, that raises your consciousness out, out of that level of consciousness that allow you to create that act. So it's not, it's not as simple as we may think, you know, but, but you're always, your karma is always evolving. You know, you can do something that can, that can push you back on the, on the negative memory line or do something that can push you forward on the positive memory line. But you probably exist within the negative and the, and the positive memory line is mostly the two. You know, so, so, and that, but it, you know, your actions are constantly evolving and pushing you forward and moving you. So you, like I say, you don't have to go back a hundred years. Just go back to what you did a few days ago or a few weeks ago or a few months ago. Or it doesn't matter even if I don't remember life's past, the still thing that experience happened to me were well, for my benefit. They will help me learn. They will change. It's nothing with everybody. Your word body is indestructible. And it's all, and, and it's been with you for eons, ever since your initial, uh, uh, manifestation. So it's your oric body, you live in a bubble of your oric body. The same way we live in this bubble of, of air around this earth. Well, you, the, the, uh, the soul, you, the I lives in the oric body. It is, in fact, the oric body is the body for the soul. And it moves you from one life to the next life, to the next life, to the next life. Yeah, well, well, one last question. I could keep asking you questions all night, but just one more. Um, mm -hmm. Did we evolve from the apes? I don't, I don't necessarily know that concretely. I think that, I think that some man, mankind evolved from, from, from animal, but I don't think all did. 
okay, and metaphysically, if you don't need a lesson, you don't gain a lesson. So look at it like that. I do, and then most people say, well, well, yeah, you, you, you evolved from that and then you became human. And, you know, yeah, that might be the case for some, but that may not be the case for all. Okay, because the, the great masters of, you know, were told many, many uh, allegories or many, many stories of the, uh, which, which is true, I think, in most cases. It's just told in a way to give us megabytes of information. And you have, you have, you even have some divas that chose free freedom and was working hard that decided to be born here in the human race in order to help the human race. So did they go through the animal stage first? No. They, uh, they started from where they are. So, and we're, and we're also told that, uh, you, once you reach a human stage, you cannot go back to an animal stage, you know, fully, I would say that fully, you might be locked into the old body of an animal as a prisoner, and you may share the body of an animal. But you yourself cannot evolve back to an animal stage. So it's, it's, I don't know, I don't think. Now, textbook, you can say, yes, we arrived from mineral life, or we went from mineral life, or we went to, uh, uh, to, uh, to the fish life. From the fish life, we went to uh, the animal life. From the animal life, we went to the mammal life, and then we became humans. Okay. You know, that's, that's a good way to teach. That's a good way to understand things. But what, a, but we heard stories of maybe even a dog. <laughs> they came to a point of enlightenment because they existed with humans that in their next life, they became a human. So, I mean. You know, that's why I said, oh, I can't say that, that we evolved from apes. So look at it like that. I mean, you have to look at it from, from different ways. And then, uh, as, as, uh, even microscopic life, they gain the experience. I say a collective microscopic life went through, uh, went through a particular experience. I say they, they were, uh, a virus that took out a million people. Maybe they gained enough information where they became a collective consciousness and then they wanted to become human. <laughs> so you don't know. And you heard a story like that. You understand? So, so you, you, 
you can't be hard and fast for certain things. Everything has a consciousness. Everything, everything has a consciousness. Some things have a shared consciousness. Some things have a collective consciousness. And, you know, and, and everything is always evolving. Always evolving. Now, we're told that on other, on other etheric planes of existence, that if you build a machine, you can build that machine where that machine takes on a consciousness. And that machine can begin to talk to you and tell you what is need, what's, what's needed for it to better itself. Now, does that machine needs to go through the, the, because it's, because it's metal and plastic and, and, or whatever, does it needs to go into an animal stage in order to get to a human stage? You understand? Consciousness is consciousness. If that machine, if the consciousness within that machine can evolve itself without going through a, 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 the, a, the ape stage, then why does it need to go through the ape stage? Yes. But didn't we We're come here like, didn't we come like 18 million years ago from Maldek? That, that, that was what I was getting at. No, well, when most, when most men came, when most humanoids came from Meldak at the time, from the description of what's now the, the, uh, the asteroid belt, they came uh, as, as humans, the animals came as animals. They came, everybody came with what they were, but that doesn't mean that though that the Melbeck man actually arrived from apes or went back to become apes. No, when we're taught that the humanoids that came from that planet existed on the astroplane for hundreds of thousands of years. Some of them stayed there for millions of years until they uh, dropped some of the contaminants to allow them to be born on the physical plane. So that, uh, no, I wouldn't say that they went back to an animal stage, no. Yeah. Unless for a comp, but how can, a, if an animal can't make decisions karmically, how do they evolve, how do they evolve according to the law of karma? Animals do make decisions karmically. They don't have self-consciousness. They have instinctive consciousness. And like I said, the David kingdom guides them. And then also the, the, uh, the humans around them guide them. The atmosphere guides them, the terrain guides them, nature guides them. They have a, they have a level of consciousness that is mostly instinctive. They don't have, they, they don't have, they don't have 100% self-consciousness of the level of man, but they have, but they are aware of themselves, but not self-consciousness. They're aware of their needs. I need water. I need food. You know, uh, I, you know, uh, they need to urinate, you know, they, you know, they have those needs. They respond to their individual needs. 
but they only respond to it according to their uh, inert desires, in other words. But they are aware of themselves, but they just not self-consciousness. They not, you know, they don't, they don't go to the next level of logic and say, uh, I need to, uh, you know, I need to, uh, 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 do something so I can sustain my life. They only do something to sustain their life at the moment of their desire. They only do something to sustain their life when, when they are taking care of their, of their, of their clubs, you know, uh, other than that, they sit in one place and look up into the, <laughs> up into the air until they have a desire to uh, feed themselves or relieve themselves. You know, it's not like us, we may come and take a piece of paper and jot something down and say, I need to be here in five years. You know, or I need to do this within the next three months. Uh, that's the difference. You know, so, um, so, I mean, that's the difference. That's, well, you know, we, we have self-conscious, we are self-conscious, we're self-driven, and they are not. But they take care of their immediate needs. And their immediate needs sometimes might be extended to their clubs, to their carekeepers, their, you know, their masters, you know, you know, or in their territory, you know. What time is there, Jack? Uh, 9.30. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really, that was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. And um, I'll say to anyone listening that they can, um, every week you have a, Anyone could come and ask you questions there. Mm -hmm. Every week you have a Q&A via Zoom. It's on your, uh, your YouTube channel, Mystic Knowledge. So if anyone has any metaphysical questions, they can ask you. Yeah, we are good for that. And thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. And there's also your, your website, mysticknowledge.org, which is a fantastic library of... Uh, Cult books, metaphysic books. That's a great resource for people as well. All right. Well, thank yeah. Thanks again. Right. Okay then. All right. See you on Sunday. Okay. I'll see you then. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.